you tell a story that in maybe different company is like everybody starts sharing their like dirty sex stories. <laughs> and instead people are like, Oh man, have you had that uh have you had that new Belma hop? I've loved it. Lo- <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I like, am. That's what I'm doing. I'm inviting people to tell stories like that, you know? Like <laughs> I, I, I'm that's like if I told that story to my friends, they'd be like, Oh yeah, I remember that one time you know, like this is Nobody Likes KC McLean, with your host, the one and only person who thinks this podcast should exist, KC McLean. Hello and welcome to the Nobody Likes KC McLean podcast. This is KC McLean. It's the first episode of the podcast in the new year. I started it uh, the first week of July, I think maybe July 1st, the first episode dropped, which makes it really easy to keep track of how many episodes you've done, because I did, uh, I think it was 26 episodes in 2020, and uh, only one without a guest, and it wasn't because I haven't been able to book guests, it was just, (laughs) it was right around the election, and first off, you just don't want to make somebody come on and have an ill-informed opinion about the election. And if we're being honest, most of our opinions are ill-informed. I if if this if 2020 was any indication. And uh let's be clear, we it still feels like we're in late 2020. <laughs> like the I've seen there's a lot of these like memes my dad sent me a meme today that says uh, it's like a middle finger to 2020. There's a lot of fuck 2020 memes out there. We're still in 2020. Let's let's give February through like mid-March to 2019. And let's call now until whenever this world comes back to close to normal. Let's give that all to 2020. And then let's really live it up in whatever like the... the Five months or or the nine nine five. That's like a that was a Freudian, not Freudian. I don't know anything about psychology. It was a slip. I don't think it's going to be only five months of good months in twenty twenty one. Today's guest is Enosaurus. What an intro for Enosaurus. 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 I've known this man for like six or seven years. I still can't pronounce his, his name uh, correctly all the time, and. I think we addressed that in the podcast. I think he, so what I, what I love about Eno is he's one of these guys, you know, when people drink, we talk about this on the episode, so I don't want to, I don't want to pretend like this is a a thing that I'm, I'm just pontificating on for the first time. But when people drink, they will sometimes, there's, there's a certain kind of drinker that will just flip a switch. And they become like a different person. They they suddenly can't. Uh, ba- I mean, the balance thing is maybe we've all been there, but they become like a violent person or a little bit of a psychopath. Like there's a psychopath switch. Eno doesn't have that. All that happens when Eno drinks, in my brief experience drinking with Eno, is that he becomes more and more Eno. Some of the stories he tells today. I've told people in confidence because the first time I heard them, it was an in confidence 
We were drinking at an event thing. Eno used to be the editor-in-chief, maybe, of BeerGraphs.com, the now-defunct BeerGraphs.com. He's still involved in beer. Uh, he's, I mean, tweets a lot about beer, but let's see. He's got a, he's got a, uh, come on, Casey, can you type? He has a, uh, let's see. Supportbeer.com is something that he started at the beginning of the pandemic to uh, help breweries all across the country. So check that out. Um, I wrote, I wrote, I didn't even really write very much. I had a podcast at beer graphs and, uh, you know, it was just always cool to me the whole time. And I mean, I love baseball and I think, I think that I've, I, uh, understand analytics better than most comedians, which is to say at all. And I love Eno's work. Eno writes for The Athletic now. He used to write for Fangraphs.com and a variety of other of other outlets. Very, very sharp and smart dude. And a very interesting story that you will be able to consume at some point in Eno's life. I've gotten a little bit of it via via conversations with him, but you're gonna you're gonna get the full story one day and it's gonna be very interesting. So Make sure that you uh, support this podcast, by the way, uh, by subscribing to this podcast. Leave a positive review, a rating on uh, Apple Podcasts. To Let's offset, by the way, very few ratings on Apple Podcasts. One of them is a either a one or zero stars, whatever the lowest you can do. Really bringing the average down. So get over there. Uh, leave a positive review, a positive rating if you could. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, um, the other one, Spotify. Give a positive rating there. Also follow Eno at Enosaurus on all social media. Uh, find him on, he, I think he has a Facebook fan page even. Uh, find him all over the place. He's great. Follow me on Twitter at McLean, Instagram, TikTok, Untapped, which may be the audience that listens to this podcast will actually care about that. Find me at the Casey McLean on untapped, which is a beer social media app. And, uh, ultimately please enjoy me and, Eno, two dads talking about struggling through the pandemic, talking about comedy in uh, in very fun terms. I love talking to guys like, Eno who like have consumed, have cared about comedy in their life, uh, but don't do comedy because, a lot of times the things that comedians care about a lot in comedy, the audience doesn't give a shit about. And it's, and it's, a, it's always a good reminder to hear that stuff. So please enjoy this episode with Eno Saris, and I'll talk to you a little more after the interview. Oh, yeah. Here we go. This is a, now the podcast is officially starting. Oh, you're drinking a LaCroix? How disappointing. No, I was... no, no. I got, I got, I got beers, man. Oh, okay, good. I, this I've was, had uh... too many beers. That's why I'm guzzling a LaCroix. <laughs> <laughs> I have a water here also. Mm. That's, uh, mm. What what beers have you been oh, drinking today? Man. You sent me a message, by the way, and this is officially on the podcast. So if you're going to uh, oh, if you're gonna go, go on a, a controversial tirade, I'm leaving it in from here on out. If you... <laughs> 
Any state um, secrets are now in the podcast. Yes, that's right. Uh, I am having, I'll tell you, I'm having a, an E9 quality control. Well, you sent me some E9 once. I So you and I have, the, the last time I saw you in person was Fangraphs, Beergraphs meetup, I believe, which was a long time ago. At the Pine Box. Yeah. And then we went back to... And I've t- I think I've told this story on a podcast, but we'll just tell it again for the sake of it. We went back to an Airbnb. Airbnb. That's mine, I, this, yeah. is, these are my beers catching up to me too, by the way. Yeah, you get yeah. initials on this, I'm going to have a problem. <laughs> but uh, you and Matt Denowitz had rented an Airbnb. And me, it was funny because the the group of people, the like mix of people at the Fangraphs, Beergraphs meetup went from like guys who played baseball in high school to guys who drink craft beer in a way that makes you uncomfortable to talk to them about it. <laughs> there definitely that guy was there. Yeah. That guy was definitely there. And I was I think, uncomfortable. I was like, please, can I ask you to leave? <laughs> there was a guy that came back to the Airbnb that it was like, not only was he not invited, but he might murder 100% of the people in this oh Airbnb. Oh, my God. It was, yeah, we were definitely – and it was it was like when I when I remember that guy, I remember all the sort of problematic parts of craft beer where people are like, you know, some people are just in craft beer because they're alcoholics. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. It's not just because it tastes good. This guy was like, well, I drank this and I drank this. And I'm like, yeah, you're blackout, dude. Can you can you just like leave? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time you, you've had a, a Dragon's Milk by New Holland, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So the first time I had that, I was on a work trip in Cincinnati. Oh, and this God. guy was like, he's like, hey, man, try this beer. You'll, I think you might like it. And I tried it and I loved it. And I was 12% like, oh, percent or something. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this is great. And I was like, this guy has great taste in beer. <laughs> but he, what he also was, was that guy that drinks enough that he switch, he flips a switch in his brain, and he stops making eye contact with you, and he starts talking Ooh. at your shoulder blades. You know oh those boy. guys? Oh, boy. And you're like, Ooh, you, became a, <laughs> you became a different person. And one day, like, I'm like hung over this whole thing, right? So I'm like, I can't keep doing this. I'm taking a day off of drinking on this work trip. And this is like a... It's like a software training thing, so there's people from all over the place. I don't oh, know right. this guy. You really don't this. want to embarrass yourself, right? And uh, the next day, he's like, "Hey, man, let's meet at the bar." And I'm like, "Oh no, I'm good." And he's like, uh, oh, "Let's meet at God. your hotel bar." And I'm like, "Whatever, dude." And he's like, "Which hotel are you staying in?" And I'm like, "Okay, like you don't even know. You're just like I." And I, I was like, "I'm not gonna drink." He's like, "That's fine. I'll drink enough for both of us." And he's just blackout <laughs> drunk. <laughs> Second night in a row. Yeah. No, this is like on night four, by the way. Like, I had gone with him a little bit for the first three nights. And then everybody was kind of like, okay. The, you know you know when you go on, uh, I'm sure this happens on some of the trips you've been on for work. But, like, you get a bunch of dudes that aren't spending a lot of time away from their family uh, very often. And they'll they wild out a little bit. Yeah, You yeah. know? This guy... That was not his situation. This guy is drinking just as hard every day of the week. As in, he does the other night. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was from rural Minnesota. Uh, yeah. And I had well, t- our, yeah, we, we had that we had that situation in our room. And it was kind of weird because it made me feel dirty about uh, the, the process we were going through. We were like, oh, have you had this? This is amazing. Have you had right. this? This is amazing. And then this guy's like, wow, it's not as good as the blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh. Oh God, I feel bad. Oh, I feel worse about myself because you're here. <laughs> if I remember right, too, he was like, 
it was it was a real like hero worship thing with you because he was like it's not as good as sierra nevada pale ale which is like a very good beer in its own right i'm not saying but it's like that is as garden variety as they come right like that's the the no it was it was awkward in a lot of levels for me yeah and the story i tell from that one all the time is we were sitting around and I was telling the story of, of drinking with John Jaso. I love this story. I and, told this story we, on your behalf, by the way. Oh, good. And we were we were we were hanging out with John Jaso, and we were watching Jordana Ventura, R.I.P. Um, and he was throwing this easy cheese, and 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 John Jaso kept looking up at this thing and being like, "Oh man, John Jaso, you know, like are you Ventura, easy cheese, like you know?" And I noticed that every girl in this place, we we're at Twin Peaks with the like sort of you know, the fake Hooters situation. And they they serviced our table like there was no tomorrow. I mean, like they knew who Mitch was, you know, they knew they knew who John Jason was. They knew what was going on. Um, And when we came down to pay, like I totally alligator armed and was like, you know, I'm a writer like, oh, yeah, I'm totally going to pay. Oh, I can't get my wallet out. These tight jeans or whatever. You have Tyrannosaurus Rex arms. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And he's like, no, man, I'm a ball player. I'm going to play and I'm going to pay. And he left and he went over to the to the register and every woman that worked there went over to the register. And one lady wanted to get his attention and she got upside down and twerked upside down so that her butt was just sort of shaking at eye level to, to get his attention. And I was at this thing at the Pine Box, and I was like, I was telling the story to to a bunch of guys who were asking me about fantasy stuff, and I said, and I said, well, that was the saddest moment for me because I just looked over and I was like, I will never have that. And then <laughs> there was like, there was like a, like a dot, 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 and then somebody in the group said, well, except among overweight thirty plus year old dudes <laughs> that want, you know, your attention for their fancy team. And then the most amazing thing is there's another dot 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 and the next literal thing that anybody says after a pause in the conversation is So anyway, I was thinking about dropping <laughs> And do you think I should pick up <laughs> <laughs> that that is a fun thing about the about that kind of an event though is that like you tell a story that in maybe different company is like everybody starts sharing their like dirty sex stories <laughs> and instead people are like oh man have you had that uh have you had that new belma hop i've loved it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i like, am that's what i'm doing i'm inviting people to tell stories like that you know like yeah. I, I, i'm that's like if i told that story to my friends they'd be like oh yeah i remember that one time you know like you know, but yeah. no, no. Instead, they just sort of skip over that, and it's it's right back to I guess transact a little bit transactional. But I I, I generally uh, I miss this very much now, and I generally enjoyed like t- today is this week has been hard for me because I'm it's supposed to be the winter meetings, and we're supposed to be I, I know Dallas I don't I'm not saying I want to be in Dallas, mm-hmm. but we're supposed to be in Dallas right now. And what I love the bar scene at the winter at the winter meetings because you'll be drinking and then like Gary Sheffield will enter your argument about something, um, and then Kevin Euclid will be like, "Oh man, everyone's uh, everyone's like got it all messed up. Like you know the instruction is terrible." And then Tony Larusso will be like, "Ah, fuck all y'all bitches or whatever," you know. And it's <laughs> just like, "Holy crap! Like what is happening right now?" 
Um, and I've had a lot of those conversations. So I love that. And then it doesn't even need to be that. Then I'll go out and meet people of in the area. So I, when I was in Nashville, I went out and had uh, went to live music. And, you know, mm-hmm. of course, it's Nashville. Like I had some live music and did that. Um, in San Diego, I did a beer crawl where we went to a different, a couple of different things. And, you know, there'll be people that used to work for a team or want to work for a team or never work for a team or just do a fancy team, or whatever it is. A lot of times I find like I'm in like just embroiled in just like a really sort of interesting conversation where people take it, ask very interesting, very interesting questions about how to value players or how baseball should be headed or how to fix baseball or, or what's wrong with baseball. So, um, or what's right with it. So like, uh, I, um, I miss that. I miss that yes. the most. I, I don't miss events. like sort of running around in the lobby and, and the whole like, is there someone better here I should be talking to than you? There's definitely the people do sure. a lot of that. But I do miss like late night. I miss the bar scene. I miss hanging out with people. And uh, this week has had none of the transactions you normally have in baseball right. and uh, very, none of the interactions. Yeah. I mean, it's by the way, like I've never appreciated being away from my family more than being cooped up with them for uh, 10 months. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. I think I, I had to say it to my wife the other day, I, I had to preface it. And I was like, I love you guys. I love you. I love her. I love our, our life. I love our family. But normally right now I get to leave for a week and go get drunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and see friends and i and i don't think i hope i'm not on the level of your of your friend there i don't think i am but um just just being able to leave the house makes you happier to come back you know that's, yeah that's well let's I not feel. call anybody we've talked about so far my friend by the way <laughs> <laughs> uh did you know john jason was my favorite baseball player oh man he, he told me the craziest thing in the world which was that after his concussion I'm his favorite he, podcaster he couldn't <laughs> <laughs> after, after his concussion he couldn't see the ball he, he a couple times he caught the ball and he never saw it oh my god when he was catching behind the plate yeah he's he I, I mean i love i think like he's there's never been a guy that's like less um baseball right exactly <laughs> i mean i i haven't outed any i haven't outed him so far but i think at this point in his career it's okay he's like the only atheist i've met in baseball yeah, it's interesting you say that because another I it's I I've heard that about him actually. Really? I have yeah, and I can't remember where. Maybe it was from you actually. Yeah, it might have been from you on a okay. on the very same beer graphs meetup. I I'm not surprised. I mean, I'm sure one, I'm sure there are a ton of atheists in baseball. But it's no, weird how not, they don't feel comfortable. There's not enough of them that they feel comfortable talking about it. Right. I remember I was in uh I was in Houston one time uh for a different software thing actually. And I was riding in an Airbnb to go do an open mic at the Houston Improv. And the dude that was driving, it was like a third. Not, did I say dri- riding in an yeah, Airbnb? Yeah, you were in Jesus. Uber. Je- speaking of God, Jesus. Yeah. I was in an Uber. <laughs> I was in an Uber going to the Houston Improv. And this dude picked me up. By the way, uh, Houston has very different standards from my local city for what cars are allowed to drive Uber. I'm in the back of like a dirty Dodge Durango. <laughs> <laughs> with like rappers on the ground <laughs> yes dude yes it's like like this dude obviously has kids and <laughs> dropped his kids off at home and immediately left through the car seats the in the seat. trunk and yeah. picked you up <laughs> and you're like oh dude is that puke yeah but we're having this like great conversation right and it's like uh it's like early early trump presidency this is a this is a black guy 
driving. There's like a lot. We're talking about a lot of stuff politically. And I thought having like a very valuable discussion. And he's like, hey, this is let me show you some stuff while we're driving because we're going to drive by like this is an HBCU. This is the site of this civil rights event, etc. And I was like, oh, that's really fun. And then I was like, you know, one of the things one of my favorite athletes, actually, I'm curious what you think about this is Arian Foster, who played for the Houston Texans, is the only NFL player that I know of, especially that's playing in the Bible Belt that came out as an atheist, which is like he played college at Tennessee. He was playing uh, pros in Houston. And he, I like, we're having this great conversation and we're disagreeing. <laughs> Stop in good talking ways. here. He literally turns to me and he goes, fuck that. <laughs> that guy was touched by God and fuck him for thinking he wasn't. And I was uh, like, holy shit. You touched the third rail. Yeah, I did. I, I, and I'm from Seattle, which is like the most atheist place in the world. So, like, yeah, that's why you think there's atheists in baseball. There's no atheists in baseball. (laughs) Now, there's, I understand there's a lot of like Southern boys and, uh, and, uh, and uh, Latin American, Latin American. Yeah, I get that. But I guarantee you, there's a, you know, that that Oakland A's team had some fucking atheists. Like those, like, those like famous Oakland A's teams. I don't think Barry Zito's going to, going to church. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I did have another argument between uh, uh, Zach Greinke and Dan Heron where um, uh, I said, uh, you know, Greinke told me that I had to stop uh, liking so many leftist tweets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I hadn't even really known that he followed me, so I was like, "Oh, so you got a burner account? I got it." Um, and uh, and then Heron walks up and he goes, "No, man, I love him." Uh, and then I said, "Well, uh, Heron, you're like in the like point five percent in baseball." And Granky goes, "No, liberals don't make a point five percent. It's like five percent." And I go, "No, he's a liberal, <laughs> and he." He's not religious. And Granky was like, oh, all right, maybe. Uh, <laughs> and then Heron was like, he's like, I've talked to you about this. <laughs> that surprised me. I think me Heron and Granky probably is. were. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think we got no. delayed. We, it, it's got, we yeah. all these I don't know. Granky seems like such like a, he's such like, he's such an analytical guy that it surprises me that he's. Uh, that he, I guess that's like insulting the Christians. I don't have a problem with Christians. Please continue to listen to my podcast. No, no, I think he probably, I think he's like, he's a little bit on the, <laughs> I think he's a little bit on the, um, uh, uh, give me data and I will believe, uh, front. So I think it is sometimes sure. surprising. Like we talk mostly when we talk just about research and data and findings, um, uh, so it is a little bit surprising to think that he's uh, religious, but you know I think that's probably from his background. And um, yeah, I'm not I'm not talking shit on on Christianity. I mean, it's like I said, it's just it's mostly baseball. Uh, it's 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 interesting to me that, that I just don't have the same background as most of the players I talk to. Like I, I it's just uh, I I'm a German Jamaican American uh, who comes. You're telling from... me that's not a pipeline for baseball? <laughs> yeah. I did talk to Max Kepler all in German. Um, I talked oh, to Max cool. Kepler all in German, and then I realized the recorder wasn't working, so I said Scheiße. <laughs> uh, and uh, I did do a piece once where I interviewed Chili Davis, and I tried to get Devon White, and I don't think I got him. Uh, I talked to Justin Masters, and talked to a few Jamaican guys. Uh, Davidis oh, Nevarowskis, right. 
from I never uh, think Lithuania. of Justin Masterson as as uh, I mean I guess it's hard to think it like on He's like me, of, white dude that was born in Jamaica. Right, right. His, pa- his uh, parents were were um, were uh, missionaries, and uh, so he he has a he has a bond, and you know hopefully when we're traveling again, there is a there is a sort of Jamaican baseball community um, that we're trying to uh, you know promote the sport a little bit. It doesn't have to be cricket. I mean, right. screw England, dude. <laughs> I, <laughs> did you ever? You, so when you and I talked, this is what I remember from the the trip is. Uh, so we had that night of. Uh, it sounds like we had a night of lovemaking. Mm. Uh, I we drank at this Air- Airbnb. I'm now I'm now worried I'm toggling between Airbnb and Uber uh, too liberally. <laughs> we had we we drank at this Airbnb. I went home to Tacoma uh, safely. I did not overindulge. I made sure of it. I think. Yeah. Uh, I, when I got home though, I had that. I don't have this anymore, by the way. But I have that. I had at the time that like. You need one more beer thing all the time. So mm-hmm. I got home and had like, because I was restrained in Seattle, I drove 30 miles and got home and had like four more beers before I went to sleep because I had restrained myself so much. So I'm hungover and we meet up for a podcast and then you and I are walking around and I think you like maybe tore your meniscus or your ACL or something while you were, you hurt your knee like slipping. I remember that. Huh? Do you, you don't remember that? Maybe you yeah. already had a bad knee. And you just like re-aggravated it, but Interesting. I I'm also a that... whiner. I'm a complainer and a whiner, so it might yeah. not have been a big deal. Yeah, that might be true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but when, I remember this because we were talking about your you were you want to tell your story, I is what you told me then, and you like because you have an interesting life, right? Like you, oh yeah, 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 German Jamaican. Have you done anything with that? Have you have uh, the Eno Saris? Oh, here's the other thing I never remember: is it Saris or Saris? Um. Saris, uh, <laughs> did you the, have to did you have to think about it for a second? Yeah, yes, I do. I have I have another last name. Um, the uh, yeah, I haven't done anything with it. I I have a story in the works in baseball that is so weird and third really that um, it's not like the athletic doesn't know what to do with it. Oh, wow. um, and the reason uh, I can tell it without sort of giving it away is that it's almost historical fiction where it's like researched, reported, uh, factual history that has to have been changed to sort of protect sure. everybody involved. But I, I remember coming from Lonesome Dove and um, Shogun and James Michener and just like, I used to love reading these like sort of historical things where like it's mostly historically true, but then they like sort of uh, manipulate it. Mm-hmm. So um, if if the, if this piece never gets printed on the athletic, then I think then I'll just um, take it and do something with it, and might that might be a springboard for me then to do more uh, historical type fiction type stuff. So I, I think the way that I can tell my story best about just growing up as a white german in jamaican in jamaica and um uh, and then going back every summer with my friends and bringing different kinds of friends and just having different kind of experiences every time i go i think the best way i can tell that is sort of bringing those different perspectives together in one of those almost like it's lame to say it this way but like you know crash the movie where like something where like it brings all these people of differing backgrounds together and then you sort of sure. tell the different background stories and i think you could with jamaica is very interesting because most of the indigenous people almost all of them are dead 
And so oh, uh, if you tell the story of Jamaica, you're telling the story of uh, people from India, people from China, people from West Africa, people from England, even the Germans uh, are, are part of the Jamaican history. Um, and you tell this story of sort of clashes and big and backward and forward and uh, a lot of like, were they socialist? Were they going to be right wing sort of back and forth trying to figure out how to make it as a third world country and a lot of failure. Um, you know, a lot of sort of, it's, you know, if you ask, a, uh, I asked a bunch of Jamaicans, like, when did Jamaica become free? And they said, when they became free of England, which mm. is, uh, kind of maybe a terrible moment for Jamaica financially because they lost, uh, the backing of the Commonwealth. Sure. Um, and, um, and also slavery was illegal in the Commonwealth in 1850. So, there's uh, it's very interesting to sort of put that perspective in. So I want to put in the perspective of all these different people, all these and and I ate doll in Jamaica. I ate, wait, wait, I ate what doll. Does what does that mean? I don't my know. My family mean. made doll. Like my Jamaican family made doll. They made doll uh and curry what goat. What is doll? Doll like uh like Indian beans? Oh, okay, okay. Doll. So like my family in my my Jamaican family is known that they were known as Indians. They had softer oh, hair and they had uh, a little bit softer complexion and they made doll and curry goat and like, so they have like this whole sort of West Indian, um, East Indian background. Mm -hmm. uh, so like I would just, I would just try to bring a lot of these backgrounds together and tell that story. But we also, did we not um, go to a wrestling event? Oh shit! I forgot that you came to that. Yes, we did. We did go to a wrestling event. My friend who I had the podcast with. We uh, went to, it was called Project 42. I'm still friends with one of the wrestling guys. Yes. At uh, El Corazon in Seattle. They still they still do their thing? They still um, do their thing? Well, not, I not think, like right now, but like. Yeah, of course not right now. I'm I'm not sure what the status of it is. I was never like a big wrestling fan, but I thought, I thought that was a blast. Uh, it was so funny. I mean, I've never done, I've never done sort of local wrestling like that before. That was amazing. Yeah, what a, it's like, what a scene. I have I have a picture on my phone that's just like like an ass in spandex coming towards me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should send me that picture. Because Yeah, I got to find it. <laughs> it's definitely on my on my phone or my computer somewhere. I definitely have it. Yeah, I think I, I was think like that, what like, is this picture? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think that wrestling promotion might be gone, but but I'm sure that I think it's been replaced by but I the guy that uh was running that wrestling promotion just bought a comic book store in the city I live in. Mm. So um, he, I still talk to him every now and then. He's a he's a cool guy. Uh, yeah. the, the other, everybody else could be dead. I, I recommend it, actually. I mean, I think that, like, local wrestling fun. is very different than WWE or whatever. It was very, like, get a PBR and Jack and fucking, you know, just watch people be ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's the same. It's kind of like the experience of watching hockey in person versus on TV. Yeah, because I love hockey in person, but on TV, it's like there's just too much going on. I can't really figure out that like you don't get any of the. Uh, and on on TV, it seems ridiculous that they're doing this all as a pageant. You know, it just seems like okay, now he's gonna hit him with the thing and yeah. do the thing. But when you're there, they like have fake blood spurting everywhere, and they're like, it's a little bit. Uh, you know, uh, it reminds me a little bit of burlesque. Oh sure. Which like sure. burlesque is something like my wife would like if I mentioned burlesque she'd roll her eyes, you know. <laughs> right. It's like, "Oh, that's so lame. I remember that time in New York. It was so lame." But you're like, "Actually, when right. you're there, 
it's kind of it's just kind of crazy it's just like oh my god you know like like these people are yeah it's kind of fake but it's people are having fun and they're like living their best lives you know there's there's this band that i don't think they're uh active anymore but they were in seattle called super geek league they they were kind of like like a softer version of guar uh (laughs) and so but they would do like rap covers and stuff and they had some original songs also but it's like if you if you describe a Super Geek League concert to someone, they're gonna think you're the stupidest person that's ever. Li- like I'm like I'm like I don't know. It's like these. Th- there's like four guitar players on stage. There's a bunch of people in rabbit costumes, and they're Sometimes covering. They do confetti cannons. Yeah, and they're covering Ti. Like I don't know, man. I don't know. It was fucking so fun. I I believe I have a permanent shoulder injury from moshing at it. Like, would I buy their album? Absolutely not. Like it's I'm sure it is fucking dog shit. If they were on the Grammys, I'd be like, what? Yeah, dude. <laughs> like if you watched a music video, you'd be like, ugh. But <laughs> yeah. there's something about it in person that's like really fun. I I feel the same way about like uh like I've never been in any way compelled to watch like one of these drag uh shows like yeah. RuPaul's drag race or whatever. But like drag shows in person are fucking hilarious. Yeah, like they're, they're and they're these people are very talented and, and they're happy like, as hell. You know, it's something right. about it's almost like the like what we're missing right now, right? We have yeah. these zooms and people are being performative, but they're being performative on a screen. Like even right. I had like like my buddy zooms, right? Where you're like trying to you're trying to just relax with people, but then there's like dead space and so then you have to like tell a story or do something or right. ask a question or do something. It's very sort of there's a screen here. I'm aware of the screen. Uh I guess it's, Oh, excuse me. I guess there's like some um, sort of philosophical stuff. I think phenomenology was talking about like sort of being aware of the screen, being aware of other people. Sure. Um, you know, there's definitely uh, people who've thought about this in deeper terms than we have. But, uh, well, but I think like... like when you're with a person, you give them so much more slack. Right. For sure. That's why it's so amazing when someone like crosses that boundary. You're like, dude, that guy. Never mind that guy. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you can have so many flaws. Like, I think people. I hope that when we open up again, that people have the 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 the, the um, balls. I, I'm saying this sort of across genders. It's just like the 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 ability. Genderless to, balls. The genderless. Yeah, yeah, balls. yeah. The genderless balls to to go out there and and just be themselves in public because. I'm telling you, man, I will give you so much rope. I will give you so much yeah. rope. I will I will watch wrestling when I will not fucking watch that <laughs> on TV to save my life. I yeah. even as a kid I was like borderline into it, you know? But mm-hmm. like that show was great. And like burlesque or drag, like I'd be like, uh, miss me with that. But like when I'm there, I'm like, yeah, dude, you're a person that loves this and you communicated that to me and I, I love it. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't give a shit about wrestling, to be fair. But yeah, uh, I had so much fun there. I think that's actually, by the way, whenever I see somebody that attends an open mic comedy open mic as mm. an audience member, I'm like, yeah, you have an you, interesting perspective on this. Well, those people, some of those guys are not funny. Insane. Most of them, and even, the, <laughs> and even the ones that are funny are at their least funny. Because <laughs> they're trying moment. stuff out. Yeah, it's like it's like watching a it's like watching a, a great Daddy baseball practice. player at practice. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> where, like that guy's working on going the other way, you know. So like you might like oh he's trying to hit line drives down the left field line, and you're like 
you know, you're like, oh, that guy's not hitting home runs. You know what I mean? Like, like he just came here with like eight mayo jokes that he wants to try out, and maybe yeah, none of them exactly. might hit. Maybe one hits. Yeah, I'll, I will go up sometimes where I'm like, here's a topic I have. Here's like 15 Every idea lines. I have on that topic. <laughs> yeah, and it's like two of them work, and I'm like, okay, we'll put those two in the put yes column. And let's do you ever do that fi- physically where you're just like, check? <laughs> it, I don't do it on stage, but I've seen it done by comedians that I respect. It, I would feel like a real asshole doing that on stage, but I've, but comedians I respect have done that. When like, There's comics that are too big to work clubs that are like theater comics, but they'll do they'll do clubs and they'll just like have a material. list and sort of check it. Yeah, dude. Yeah. They're like, I have a notebook on stage and you are fucking lucky to be seeing me in this 200 seat <laughs> venue. So here, that, and like literally, yes, they'll be like, that How about one in the age of, of cancel culture though, where like, you know, you've got that list and maybe one of them is, is too far and someone's <clears> got their phone out and now you're canceled. I mean, yeah. comedy, that's why I think it's fascinating about comedy is it's just on this line where the whole idea of comedy is to push boundaries and to say things we're not supposed to say out loud and to access. I saw one, I forget the comedian's name, but I saw one comedian talk about the voice that says the terrible things mm-hmm. in your head. And that's like the comedian is right. the one who says the thing you're not supposed to say, and then he says it, and you can laugh, and, and it makes you feel better that you had that terrible thought. Right. But in in this in this time, like I don't, I don't, I, I'm not someone that's like coming to the right and being like, oh, cancel culture is terrible. But like for a comedian, it's got to be a tough time to work because you you say the wrong thing, and all of a sudden you're not getting gigs, or yeah. you know, everyone's mad at you. Yeah, I mean, luckily, I think there's there's enough people out there who appreciate. First off, the big thing is is like it's a very vocal minority that is trying to cancel people, right? They're successful mm-hmm. a lot of the time, but I I think most people are like, I don't even really care about this. Um, I but with, I I struggle with it. Like CK, I like CK. I like his humor. Mm-hmm. It was completely obvious that he would take his dick out in front of someone. Like he had humor. Where you're like, oh, this is the guy that would take his dick out in front of someone. I don't think he should take his dick out in front of someone. I yeah. I would I would hate for him to take I, I that that offends me. And so mm-hmm. I, I stopped doing I stopped listening to Louis CK for a while. But in my heart of hearts, I'm like, yeah. Louis CK took his dick out? Yeah. Yeah, his is tough. <laughs> I mean, that's I, his fucking comedy. That his whole comedy routine is like, look at me, I'm a Shlemiel. I take my dick out sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, he's definitely like he's telegraphed that he's had creepy tendencies yeah. on stage. I have, uh, I have thought a lot about Louis C.K.'s situation because one, I think he's brilliant, but two, he's like, okay, these are these are like the the facts of that case as they've been as because I've listened to like every fucking interview with every journalist. Um, one, I think he's immensely talented. Two, I think like it's. It's really important to me when someone gets accused of something bad. Yeah. If it, that if we if like sexual assault is bad, you know. Right. And they should like that means something really bad. Mm-hmm. And so he had like he asked every woman and they all said yes. Is part of the story that gets like left off by a lot of people. There was an original rumor that he like blocked the door to these rooms and uh the journalist so there was two articles that came out about it, one on Gawker and one in the New York Times. Mm. Gawker one came out first, and then the New York Times one came out. And the New York Times one, they were kind of like becoming the story of record 
correcting some of the falsehoods in the Gawker one. But one, I heard a, I listened to an interview with the woman that wrote the New York Times one, and the the interviewer said, "Hey, did you did Louis C.K. block the door? Did you ask any of these women if Louis C.K. blocked the door?" And she said, "Yes, I asked," and they all said, "No, he did not block the door." And he goes, "Well, so why is said, it?" I'm going to take my dick out. If you want to leave, you can leave. Even said like. I'm, is it okay if I take my dick out? Whatever. Like that's no. so, so I'm not saying, so let me, let me start by saying this. Like there's, it's there's a power imbalance. It's, it's, yeah, it's weird. Still. It's weird. I think that, so here's the thing though, is he goes, the interviewer said, did, why didn't you include that in your story? And she goes, well, I didn't think that detail was important. That's a very important detail. It's the most important detail. Granted, there are other very important details. It's one, but of, the, it's, one of the most important for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think like. You know, the, the, when the Aziz Ansari thing happened, they made a big deal. I don't know if you know about that one. That, uh, but is that one where, like, he tried to make a move and it didn't work, and then he just watched a movie and it was over? Yeah, he... We don't need to get into the, the gory details of it. I, I assume that... Uh, I want you to be uh, willing to, like, have me actually put this out and not have uh-huh. your name attached to my okay, shitty opinions right. on comedy. <laughs> but they no, made a big it's a, deal. it's a tough... I mean, we're right now, we're trying to navigate this nine field. We're, we're, right. I think we're reasonable people that are willing to, uh, you know, willing to say, hey, that was too far. And right. But the line is just hard to find a lot of times. It's right. just like... Uh, and, and, so, and I think we're also not good at, like, knowing what... what um, we're not good at knowing what like repent like repent like uh, how enough repentance and like right. what the relationship is between like the crime and the repentance like right you well know, that's like to, we're not even good at Louis that in terms of like criminal justice oh for sure to go and back to go back to the Louis thing though in, in the public sphere either the the Louis thing that's I think important in that one also because people are like he wasn't away for long enough he didn't have long enough to like realize it was wrong or whatever well this is a here's a thing. The last account of anything like that happening was from 2005. He got canceled in 2017. He independently stopped doing this, called women to apologize, all that stuff privately, On before then that. publicly apologized, then took a year and a half or nine months or whatever it was off of comedy. So he spent 13 years between the last event and... Like, uh, so what you're saying is like, again, I don't know how, what's the right thing. Right. But, uh, so there's plenty of opportunity for, if if he had been doing it the other 10 years for other stuff to come out, like that's in the news, like everybody else, that's like an invitation. Hey, if he did this thing, like, let's all pile on. That's when, that's what like, you know, if it's like an Epstein situation where you're like, Oh, one thing, I don't know. (laughs) Like everyone's like, no, 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 no. There's a lot of bad here. You're like, yeah, I think there's bad there, you know? Um, Right. But isn't that crazy that we're even including what he, cause he gets included with Cosby, with Harvey Weinstein, with, with Jeffrey Epstein, yeah, Epstein and it's like, is like the very yeah. I mean, he's Ep- the very Epstein's worst. the t- Epstein and Cosby are the tip of the spear, and fucking Weinstein isn't far behind, and Louis C.K. is somewhere on the on the the shaft. You know what I mean? Like way <laughs> yeah, way I was down. Definitely thinking the Grundle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I like again, like if he did that to my my wife or my sister, be yes, I'd be very yeah. upset. But that's why you don't let the uh, why you don't let the people who have been hurt do the litigating, right? Like we have a, a system in place in our country for a reason. And we, yeah, man, like you said, like, I think we should, we just need to have more consistency 
less hypocrisy and be able to like I'm not saying anyone needs to for- forgive Louis CK. I don't that's yeah, I'm not invested in whether or not people forgive Louis CK. Right. He still has an audience. He'll be fine. I think there's an, maybe an argument to be made that there was an outsized punishment or whatever. I don't that's not my point. But my point is like that's happening also to comedians at my level and nobody gives a shit because they're not famous, mm-hmm. right? They don't have a fan base. They don't have and yeah, man, like the and, the, the and the thing they might have done wrong was just like a joke they were trying out or whatever. And right, exactly. Yeah, that's and I and I I also think I read this. I saw. Uh, let me rephrase. I refused to read. I saw the headline of an article and like skimmed through the bullet points. It was like how to not write offensive jokes, and it's like I for a certain amount of people, there's like there is an audience for comedy that pushes the boundaries, right? And there was. That was, it wasn't like, like, uh, we all pretend like Bill Hicks or, uh, the other guy, who's the fucking other guy, uh, the guy that got arrested for, um, vulgarity in public. I can't think of his name, which is embarrassing as a comedian, but, uh, these guys like nobody, they weren't popular in their time. Like people wanted them canceled also. It was like the conservative Christians then. But now we have I call I call uh, these like the cancel culture folks I call them the new Puritans, where it's like they want a moral purity test for everybody as much as the people in the 1940s did. God, why can't I think of that guy's name? That is embarrassing. You see I the uh, the guy who had the, the six bad words or whatever. No, that was George Carlin, yeah, right? Carlin, yeah. No, who was a comedian? Here we go. I could just probably type in comedian vulgarity. He busted for Bulgarian public. Wow, dude. Arrested. Yeah. Uh Jesus. wow, this is and now I can't even come on. People like I just want to I mean, tell people. I, I mean, I think one of the today. rules might be like don't don't punch down. Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce, yeah, yeah. Okay, there we go. Don't don't punch down is a rule, right? Sure, but like I have a joke about how my daughter is stupid. And how all babies are stupid. Like that's punching down, right? Like technically, like do you know what I mean? Like it's it's obviously absurd, right? Like that's what makes it funny. So like you can't make that rule and then not acknowledge that like making an absurd joke that babies are stupid when they are clearly pu- it's punching babies. down, yeah. right? Like it's it's very obviously punching down. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, like all those rules. Finding a way to break those rules in a way that's considered acceptable is fucking exhilarating, and crowds love it too. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a comedy fan, man, and I've rediscovered it a little bit recently. Where I've been watching some stuff, and I, I, I just can't remember anybody's names. But I, you know, I watched a Burr one. He's all right. You know, he got mm-hmm. in trouble recently, and um. Yeah, I he just got, I, he, he got like articles written though. He doesn't th- that guy his his ticket sales his money isn't going to change at all because of the trouble he got into. But I remember I remember uh, very specifically uh, do, like Raw and Delirious by Eddie Murphy. Dude, yeah. Uh, so I me and my guy friends thought that was the most hilarious thing in the world, and then uh, I remember my my new girlfriend and her friends, my wife now. Um, I brought them together and I said, "You guys." You guys have to see this. You've never seen like because Delirious was funny because John Candy had a Delirious. Oh, okay. And so like that. Delirious became this weird thing where like people if they search for Delirious might get John Candy's Delirious 
and like be like, is that that's not really funny? But if you knew that you were like searching for delirious, like Eddie Murphy's delirious, you would get the yeah. kind of raunchy like stuff. And and I I had them sit down and watch delirious with me, and that's. That's the one with like Eddie. I'm American woman now. Eddie, I want half. And then yeah. he does this thing about like being in uh, San Francisco and the like. They didn't have uh, they didn't have uh, uh, police cars, sirens. They just had gay mm-hmm. people on the cars going wee wee. And it was like in retrospect, actually, it's almost one of those things where it comes back around. And it's just so ridiculous that like who could that offend? You know? Like, yeah. No, I know. I know. Well, and. Then- but back then i was like and they were like yo this is not funny and i was like oh crap yeah. <laughs> let's just turn ex- it off <laughs> i had that experience i showed my wife uh either raw or delirious one of them and i was like this is i i loved this when i was growing up you should watch this i and find it problematic now yeah <laughs> we couldn't make it through those jokes and i mean i'm sitting there like god this yeah. is rough you know like and i'm pretty hard to offend but where is that line i mean that at the time he was uh, you know pushing boundaries and making people laugh and it was okay but the boundaries have shrunk and so now it's just it's now in the territory of not okay and and we have to give space to people to be like even me like be like yeah raw delirious i used to love that and now yeah. i look back at it like people used to say uh, words that you can't say anymore like you used to gay used to be a thing you would like you know say about your friends or whatever and like now yeah. it's like i i don't say that word anymore so it's like this weird thing where like you know eddie murphy i think generally is okay, is kind of funny-ish and has had an interesting career and has made me laugh a lot at times in my life yeah. But well, now, here's, here... but I, you know, I watched Delirious. Like I watched it with them, and even in you know 2001, it was like, oh God, what did I do? Whichever, whichever the first one of those ones, whichever the first one of those was, he was 19. Yeah, which is un. And I think it was filmed of. in like the 80s or something. Yeah, and then the next one he was like 23, which is just like he there comes are out no... in like the the red leather. Like red, yeah. One is red leather, leather, one is yellow one. leather, and then he's talking about gay people. Come on, buddy. <laughs> you're right, dude. I can see your balls, dude. <laughs> well, and I believe like uh, later on, he got my friend has a joke about this, but he got caught uh, having sex with a a transgender prostitute, and it's like, okay, what were you, what were you apologizing for on stage there? Um, I I think the so the, around the same time, I showed my wife. And a roommate of mine at the time, uh, Blazing Saddles. Have you ever seen Blazing Saddles? Mm. That's it's like, Mel Brooks. It's a yeah. million years old. It's it's so what like, does he do? Misogyny and it's uh it's this like old west town. I mean, I, yeah, they, I remember the I remember the sort of plot and stuff. But what it, and they have a they have a black sheriff. Is oh the deal. boy! And so we're watching the movie, and and it's this is gonna work a lot less since you like you you're not this isn't resonating with you as hard. It, yeah, but... but we're watching the whole movie and I'm and my friend we're like a half hour in and he turns to me and he goes, dude, this movie's kind of racist. <laughs> yeah, right. And I'm like, yeah, dude, they're making fun of racists. Like nobody that's racist on that movie are you like, oh, that's the that's the hero of this of this movie. Like it's oh, parodying how stupid racists are. Right. Mm. But, but it does that by showing people being cartoonishly racist. Right. But nobody watches blazing saddles and goes, Oh, I should be the, the racists. Like right. they're the good guys in this. Um, which is, I think like another thing 
when you tell a joke on stage and you're not the good guy of the joke. Yeah. Usually, I was audiences... watching some Jared Kellenick. Jared, what's that name? Something not. It's Kellenich. not Jared Kellenick. He's a prospect for the Mariners. Right, but right. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's like Kellenick. It's very, very similar. No, I can't think of who you're saying. Is it? Is it? Huh? He's a, He's got. He's got the blonde hair. Oh, Jared Logan? No. Kel. Uh... Maybe it's not Jared J- Jels- Jelski. Oh, Anthony Jeselnik. Jeselnik, yeah. Yeah, Anthony Jeselnik's fantastic. Jeselnik is the bad guy of every joke he tells. Right. He's trying right. to convince you that he's a terrible person. Right. And that's like, like, I I heard a thing, and nobody wants to hear in 2020. Nobody wants to hear that I heard a very uh, profound thing from Joe Rogan. That I heard <laughs> Jer- Joe Rogan say a profound thing. <laughs> But he was telling like jokes on stage or whatever, and he's obviously like towards the edgier side of comedy. And somebody came up to him after the show, and they're like, "Are you fucking serious? Do you believe all those things you said on stage?" And he's like, "Absolutely not. Like the mm-hmm. things I believe are way less funny than that stuff." Right. And it's like that's kind of the way that I feel. Is like if you can, I mean, for me, this, my personal taste in my own comedy and even other comedy is like, I don't have to believe this person is the person they're talking about on stage or that they're the good guy in their life all the time. You know what I mean? Again, I have a joke about how my daughter and every other baby are stupid. That is not me portraying a good person. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like acting, right? Yeah, and it's like saying the least appropriate thing you could possibly say. And it's funny. And it's like, again, it's like I'm punching far enough down that people realize that that's that part you of are the joke. That, yeah, that you're aware of it. It's like a meta right. punch down, right? Right. So if I was like, if I was like, people who make forty thousand dollars a year are scum. Well, that's close enough to me that it's like, ooh, like you might actually mean that. <laughs> right, right, you know right, what I mean? Right, but if I'm like, people, like babies need to get a fucking job. <laughs> right, Nobody yeah. thinks that I actually believe that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a. I think it's a fascinating sort of subculture. Um, I enjoy going to it um, when I when I have the chance. Like I would love it to to open up, and you yes. know, I've seen. Uh, I saw, I think I saw one of the Joe Rogan side guys. Oh, that's probably the true. guy who comes out with the belly. He's got the big belly. Oh, Bert Kreischer. Yeah, I saw Bert Kreischer. I sure. I laughed the whole time. You know, I, yeah. I I hope I didn't laugh at anything inappropriate. I probably did. <laughs> also, like that, the thing, it's just like, even if you laugh at something, that doesn't mean that you agree with it either, right? Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> it's like a defensive, it's like a defensive, it's like a reflexive, you know, it's like, right. Like it's you can laugh you. at something and be like, whoa, yo, it's I'm also, sorry. It's funny. It's funny when people are like, whenever someone gets canceled, they're also like, uh, they're like, oh, Louis was never funny. And it's like, okay, tell that to the hundreds of thousands of people who were buying tickets to see him every year. Like, right. And, but how like, do I, and that doesn't help me. That doesn't help me put together the pieces. You know what I'm saying? Saying right. Lukey say, hey, one's funny. That's just not true. I thought he was funny. I'm right. mad about this event. And right. I need to personally find a way to get to get so it's either going to be I don't think it's I don't think that's helpful it's like sort of be like ah oh, he wasn't cool anyway like oh uh, you know no no I have to figure out how like how to get past this and I have to it's almost like the raw and delirious thing again where I have to be like listen I thought it was funny at the time I feel bad about it now 
you know, even with Sweet CK, like the humor predicted the thing he did. Right. So, you know, if he finds a new humor, maybe I can get back into it. But it's sort of, it has sort of ruined the humor he used to have where he's, you know, eating a tub of ice cream with his dick out on his couch or whatever. You right. know, like, I can't think that's as funny anymore <clears throat> because, you know, he did this thing. So, yeah. you know, if he if he goes in new places, maybe maybe I'll get there. Maybe maybe I'll watch something and think it's funny again. I, I mean, as like a, a parent, there was a lot of stuff that resonated with me because, you know, parenting is not easy. It's uh, it's really hard. And he he got that across, I think, a lot of times uh, more yeah. than almost any other comedian that I knew that I, you know, I agree. was very good at sort of. You know, it's hard. Sometimes you're going to hate your kids, and sometimes yeah. you're going to hate yourself, and sometimes you're going to wake up with a tub of ice cream on your empty belly, and, and your kids are going to be like, why are you out here? You know, but like that yeah. that was his deal. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, You, I you think, have to figure I mean, out ways off, to kind of like, to, to get past things, to, to let people do penance. Um, well, it's okay if you never like him again, right? I think first off, the thing is, is like the thing about saying he's not funny or not talented is it's like, so if he was talented, this would be okay. Like, what is the argument you're making? You know what I mean? Well, that, like, and then, and then often this is the case. Like, if you want to like bring this back to baseball, like, you know, A Rod for some reason has uh, escaped, he's found some escape velocity for his, uh, his steroid usage. Sure. And there are people who say he's a great announcer and, you know, he's done, he's, he's done his penance or was from another time. And I'm willing, like if I, if I had a hall of fame vote, I would vote for Barry Bonds uh, Mm -hmm. because it was pre-testing. And, you know, I I kind of understand his decision-making. And also I don't think that we know all the people who took steroids, but we know Alex Rodriguez took steroids at a time after, you know, it was allowed. And uh, we know he was kind of a, you know, like self picture kissing like narcissist weirdo yeah he might have done steroids since he was in high school you know like and and he somehow had this laundered because you know what it was sort of hall of fame level yeah i mean i I think that the i think i mean first off i'm one of those guys that thinks a-rod is a great announcer um i don't i don't again i thought that before this last i didn't really like this last postseason well, there was a lot to not like about this last post. <laughs> <Yeah, there was. laughs> uh, I I don't think that should play into whether or not he's considered um, fit for the Hall of Fame or whatever. Uh, I would probably like if if I had a Hall of Fame vote, which is obviously I'm much farther away from getting a <laughs> Hall of Fame vote than you are. Uh, I like would two, prob- ways, two years away. Yeah, I'm uh, a. Several lifetimes away, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, you would vote they, for A-Rod? I would vote for A-Rod, but it's, I have like just a blank. So that means like, you would vote for Manny and you would vote for... Yeah, I'd vote for... I'd vote for... I mean, I think Nelson like... Nelson Cruz and... I would say that a, a confirmed test is a negative, meaning I think you start to deflate their numbers a bit, right? You, to me, it's you like... You have to be superlative beyond that. Right, so it's like it's like uh, so like you wouldn't in Colorado, vote for basically. you wouldn't vote for Rafael Palmero. Sure, because I think he's on like the bubble anyway. Mark McGuire, uh, McGuire, I would probably vote for. I mean, especially like obviously he has the one major season. 
He was uh, – it's hard to argue that he wasn't one of the best hitters in baseball. Sammy Sosa? Um, I'd probably vote for Sammy Sosa. Mm. Uh, but I think I think Sammy Sosa, you're getting into a guy that has, like, probably not – is probably not a Hall of Famer with – or is certainly not a Hall of Famer without steroids. Close. Um, yeah. I, I think also, like, though, like, less uh, determined that he took it, you know? Sure. I mean, I mean it's I think not like that, Manny or or one of these other yeah. guys with like an actual test. Yeah, like I mean, so like I'm saying, like I I don't think um, if Brady Anderson had a borderline career, or Rafael Palmero's a, I mean, Rafael Palmero is the example, right? Yeah. Where it's like he just kind of he stuck around long enough to have pretty good, I mean, very good numbers, pretty good for the steroids era, but but probably like then borderline hollow. Yeah, and got busted. If you change all those to like twenty home runs a year, and right. you know, one hundred and fifty hits instead of two hundred hits, and the guys that were at the congressional hearing are the hardest to defend because they were like so adamant and so performatively offended, <laughs> and then they look so stupid when we find out that they were. The other one I would vote for that is controversial. I would vote Kurt Schilling in, by the way, who's like, seems like a real fucking scumbag. (laughs) But I mean, a tremendous baseball player and also probably on steroids. They're a racist. There might be a murderer in the Hall of Fame. Oh, I'm I'm certain there's a murderer (laughs) in the Hall of Fame. Um, And yeah, obviously there's racists. Yeah. Uh, And and probably worse than that, right? Like there's criminals of all types. Uh, Fame is, is horrific the way that it manifests and or the way it yeah. affects some people. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm like, I guess I'm like a big hall guy. Is that what the, what it's called? I would be a big hall guy, which is big hall. Is one of the myriad reasons I don't. But does that vote. extend to like <laughs> other big hall people would be like Omar Vizquel, Scott Rowland, Scott Rowland, Omar Vizquel. Uh, Vizquel probably no. Although didn't Vizquel get in? I think I, I think we're delayed again. I have you uh, I behind. Don't test me. Tell on me this. if I you. No, I think I think now? he's. Yeah, he's in. Oh yeah. Okay, I got you. Uh, Viscel, did Viscel get in? I thought Viscel. No, got he's in. not in yet. Viscel is close. Okay. He's, he's got I would, like fifty percent. Yes, probably, to Scott I think Roland, Viscel, I'd Viscel I'd will get yes in this Scott. year. Viscel will get in this year. I would. I'm surprised every time I go back and look at Scott Rowland's career, I'm surprised at how good it was because he never felt like he was was so great. Yeah. So I'd probably be yes on, yes on Rowland. No on Vizquel. Well, that makes, that makes him a sort of a borderline situation. Some of his value was from defense and, you know, honestly, I think that we're not as amazing at valuing defense. So, Sure. I'm a, I'm a little bit sort of skewed towards offense. I think I would be a no on Vizquel. Roland's borderline. I think I would be yes on Roland. Um, but. Well, and Roland had the reputation. Well, they both had the reputation, and that, and I think that the whatever analytics are quantifying defense from back then also like Roland. Um, I think like Vizquel is maybe. He's like all defense, basically, like like all defense, no bat. But Ozzy Smith got in, right? Yeah, and I think about it also in terms of like relievers, like you know maybe the top three of any sentence you can finish should be in the Hall of Fame. 
So the top three relievers should be in the Hall of Fame, and the top three defenders of all time should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's um, interesting. And I think about it with, the, with regards to kickers. I don't. I actually don't know the answer in terms of NFL and how many kickers. But I think there's a couple kickers in the Hall of Fame. I think one sure. of those guys made it, Gramatica or some of those. One of those guys. Yeah. And if a kicker can be in the Hall of Fame, then you got to have a closer in the Hall of Fame. You got to have maybe two or three closers. And where do you, where did you fall? And I. I probably have a surprising opinion on this, but where did you fall on Edgar Martinez? Because Edgar Martinez is arguably the most prolific DH ever, but I think DH, in my opinion, DH is the exception to what you're saying. No, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I think that uh, of our time, like David Ortiz is a Hall of Famer. But Dave, but the reason David Ortiz is a Hall of Famer and the reason the argument you could make for Edgar Martinez is that they are at the time they were some of the best hitters in baseball at all positions. Uh I think that if you just go this guy was the best DH it's like so you're defining he's the best but you're defining him by people who's who have had responsibilities taken away from them not by you know what I mean like he's not right. the best it's not the same as saying he's the best hitting center fielder ever. He's also the, he's the tallest short man or something I don't know. Like, yeah, well it's a... also like teams a lot of teams didn't uh, have a full-time DH. They yeah. had DHs all the time, but they weren't having a guy play. 100. Analytically, I'd have to point out that there, there's some evidence that DHing is a skill. Like it's hard to do. Yeah, and and so you know you have to like one of the things that Ortiz does is that he stays sort of top top shelf like in the in the dugout and is like you know trying to anticipate every pitch and trying to like right. anticipate every pitch change and trying to like stay in the game because uh there's some guys who who like generally you're 10% worse as a DH than you are as a as a starting guy so uh the guys yeah. that aren't or or what if you add that 10% a lot of that might undo some of the defensive uh, negation so like like if Edgar Martinez had played every game in the field, he would have ostensibly been ten percent better as a hitter. Sure. So that might have, you know, undone. might have undone some of the defensive problems that he would have had. You know. So like, what if you just played Edgar <clears throat> Martinez at first base all those years? He yeah, could have I mean, been that I th- bad. I I think he he belongs in the Hall of Fame, but I don't think the argument that he's the highest ranked DH is a good enough argument to me. It means mm, like the reason. The- all right. That position has to be the best hitters in baseball. But you want to know something else that David Ortiz did uh, to be a better hitter? Steroids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a test. Um. Yeah. How how yeah, many no, days? I mean, it's, it's 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 kind of problematic. Like Nelson Cruz has a test, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Well, that's that's the thing is like you start to get into because what's going to start to happen, I believe is that we're going to start having guys go into the Hall of Fame and then we're going to get definitive stories that they were using steroids and now you Afterwards. have a bunch of steroids u- steroid users in the Hall of Fame, right? So why would you I think that's like, problematic. I mean, I think that from the beginning like Bud Selig is in the Hall of Fame and Bud Selig presided over the steroid era and Bud Selig sure. presided over a time in baseball where there were no testing. There was no testing at all. And so he allowed this thing to happen. So you know, Bud Selig let it happen, and he's in the Hall of Fame. So why not the people? You know, why not the players? It seems right. very sort of owner, you know, centric, commissioner centric. We put most of the commissioners, the, the only the very worst, 
you know, the very most racist, like sort of like just the most ridiculous guy commissioner is not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. How many days? So Manfred's going to be in the Hall of Fame, dude. Manfred's going to be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> that'll be interesting to see. I, I don't I think that'll feel... be a fun day. Like, we'll we'll all be alive and like, God damn it, Manfred is in the Hall of Fame. There's going to be a lot more, like, there's going to be a lot more booing at events where, like, Roger Goodell gets booed everywhere he goes. <laughs> the clown thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, How many days per week or month were you in a baseball locker room at a baseball stadium in a normal year versus this year? Oh, my God. I mean, zero this year. But um, I, I tried to do uh, twice a week. Uh, during the season, and I would have a block of um, about 10 days um, where I may, might be in like three camps, you know, sure. in a day even. So I might I might do like uh, maybe like sort of 10 camps in five days in spring. Um, and then I would have uh, what – like I've been lucky uh, here in the Bay Area to have postseasons to go to. So I'd be going to like L.A., uh, Oakland and San Francisco for postseason. So, um, you would add probably another sort of 10 days on average again. So, uh, 20 days, uh, pre and postseason, and then, uh, two times a week, six months, 24, 40, about 75 times a year. How, how much do you miss that? Because so I'll tell you, I don't, much. I don't miss going to the office at all. I, I miss it so much. It was a uh, 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 time out of the house. Uh, uh, I would I would uh, pair sometimes uh, work in a game with seeing friends um, because That's I would cool. one of the days was Fridays. A lot of times I would go work uh, three quarters of a game, half a game. I'm not I'm not reporting on the game, so I can leave the game right. early. Um, I would, uh, see people. So there was like a little bit of a social life it created for me. I would see people at the games. Like if you were in town, you would say, Hey, I'm going to be at the giants game on Friday night. I'd be like, yeah, man, I'll see you in the crowd, you know? Um, and, uh, I did a lot of that. So that there was like social life plus talking to the players. The players have great ideas about baseball and about, you know, what should happen or, or asking me questions about stats or, you know, there was a lot of just new ideas that came out of just talking to players and, and, Mm -hmm. and getting their input on stuff and getting their questions and just having a dialogue with them. So that was valuable. And then just, I'm a person who likes interaction. So it was just like, uh, adult interaction with someone like my 11 year old, I mean, my eight-year-old, I love him to death, but, like, uh, everything is Star Wars. So it's, like, and, and he's, like, somehow gone beyond me to the point oh, wow. where, like, he knows more about Star Wars than I do. And he's, like, do you know about the Battle of Jakku? And I'm, like, um, that was the one with the, uh, and he's, like, and he's like, do you know about the speeder race on Jaquar? And I'm, like, I don't. Can you can you tell me? I I I used to be a Star Wars guy. I don't know what happened here. <laughs> so that, that you know, like, like you go into the park was like I'm going to talk to adults here. <laughs> yeah. When I was growing up, I remember my dad. I would be like, I remember think I'm sitting watching Sports Center. I would watch. It was uh, I'd get home from school. I'd watch. I'd miss like the first ten minutes of PTI, and watch all of Sports Center. Twenty minutes of PTI, all of Sports Center. And I'd be like, how does my dad live his life? 
without doing this every day? <laughs> How can he possibly survive and feel good about himself? <laughs> My kids are watching so much yokai, and I'm like, this sucks. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like singing the song with a yokai, and I'm like, "Oh God, stop it, please!" But even a, even a, I mean, I don't even know what that is. But I'm saying <laughs> the, thing that, the thing that you love, Star Wars. He's blasted past you because it's like, as an adult, I'm like, I mean, this is a bad. Oh, because your dad like, likes sports. My dad, yeah, my dad does like sports, but it's like he's not. He doesn't able, have that much time have or bandwidth, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, so I that kind of sounds like that, where it's like, <laughs> no, I don't know that battle because I am not, I don't have eleven hours a day to think about it. <laughs> I bought you, I have bought, I've also bought you like eight Star Wars books. They're like these like encyclopedias of Star Wars. Like I have this, he has a whole book that's just vehicles of Star Wars. You can just like read through, and he's like, <laughs> Dad, do you know about the AT five two five two three two? And I'm like, um, yeah, that's in. Uh... <laughs> Was that on Hoth? <laughs> also like i asked him today what his favorite one was and it was it was rise of the jedi so like you know if you come to star wars at a different time in your life you may just like different movies. i don't think anybody likes those three movies sure that shall not be named uh i don't like maybe any of them, maybe the way, maybe there's so. some kids who grew up at that time who were like those are the best i love the pod racing sure you don't like those kids <laughs> Those kids are stupid. They're not me or my kids. So So I want to tell you about two embarrassing moments that I had during the pandemic that are, these are the things that made me like both times, like almost cry. They're very embarrassing. Uh, Because you you and I both love baseball and beer. The first one is uh, King of Staten Island is a movie that came out with uh, Pete Davidson and Bill Burr. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. It's fine. I don't. I, I didn't love it, but there's this moment where they're uh, uh, Bill Burr's dating Pete Davidson's mom, and they go to a minor league baseball game, and they're walking. It's like you know standard minor league stadium where they're walking up these stairs into like the lower bowl, which is the only bowl of the right. of the minor league stadium, and them walking over, and there's just like they shot it really cool, where it's like following behind them, and then you have that moment when you walk into a minor league baseball stadium where you walk out and the field is there. Yeah. And it was like at a real game. And I like, I was like, Oh my God, I didn't miss baseball at all until that moment. And then I had, this is the more embarrassing one. That's like, you know, a comedy movie that I'm on the verge of crying at. This is way more embarrassing. I was watching 90 day fiance. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) At the beginning of quarantine, my friend texted me and he goes, Hey, does your wife watch 90 Day Fiance? And I go, No. (laughs) I go, No. And thank God, because that is literally the only trash TV that she has skipped. And quarantine (laughs) has lasted long enough that we are now back to all the stuff you missed. (laughs) I didn't know how many fucking hours of this thing there were, but there was this. This guy goes to, he meets his, uh, like, ex-in-laws at a brewery, and then I watch somebody do a bad pour on a craft beer, <laughs> like a zero-head pour, and they're sitting in the sun drinking With the bubbles, beer. it's probably dirty glass. <laughs> yeah, dude, and I was like, oh my god, I miss having, like, a mediocre IPA on a great day. <laughs> oh god, no. 
We you know can what do I mean? It. We can do it. Just a couple more months, man. We just need to hibernate. And then I'll I'll find some reason to have the athletics send me to Seattle or Portland. I'm I'm writing a story about you know expansion. You know, just get, just get up there do and do it. Let's dude, you let's you come and we'll fucking go nuts. I live uh, an undisclosed distance from the E9 Brewery that yeah. we've uh, <laughs> that's right, which is but, also uh, not that far from Driveline. Yeah, for sure. You, uh, I actually, uh, I who did I? I feel like. I talked to somebody. I had a really bad experience with, is it Kyle Bodie or Body? Bodie. And uh, I have gotten over it. I read the. He is a, what's, he's abrasive. He's a dude. He's a, he's, uh-huh. you know, he's from that, you know, he's from the internet. Yeah. Well, and he was, this is even before. I didn't even know he, he didn't, wasn't even doing driveline baseball when I met him. Uh, he was in, a, we were in like an adult baseball league together. Oh and he yeah, just, he played at the tryout. He was like a complete prick. And then I listened to, uh, or I listened to the audio book for the MVP machine, which he's his uh, ascent to his present, uh, his present glory is pretty well detailed in there. And then it, that makes him a little more sympathetic to me. Where I was like, oh okay, he's like you know depressed and has all these uh, has all these like inner demons. And so he was a little bit of a prick to me at a tryout. I can get over that. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, uh, I think about that in with regard to like um, commenting and trolls and, and responses. Like, sure. for the, I, you know, I haven't blocked anyone on Twitter. Whoa. <laughs> uh, it's been tested crazy. during quarantine. <laughs> I have to tell you, <laughs> I've been tested more in the last six months on that one than ever. I have muted uh, four or five Gotta people. Gotta mute. You have to mute. I just. They were. It was too intense. It was so. It was like a lot of back and forth, and I was trying my best to just talk and like let's be reasonable people. But I just realized that we were working on different playbooks, and yeah, it was. Uh, we were not going to come to an agreement. So, so what's uh, but what's like the thing that has made you the most emotional? Like what has made? Yeah, like what? What are you? What's like the acute moment? I understand there's like this like kind of overarching like I miss not having to see my family for 24 hours a day. I miss being able to go to the ballpark, but like what is a moment that made you like fuck? Well, I think actually this week I've had a little bit of that with the with the um with the lack of the winter meetings. Mm-hmm. I um I actually was watching Oh my god, there's some stupid knife reality show where they like make knives <laughs> I, my wife and i were like just what like what this is like a big enough portion of the population that like they can have it was like hgtv we left on too long or something and like oh my god so we're, we're watching this and oh and then i get like a little thing i get a little buzz on my slack and they say uh, Lance Lynn has been traded. Can you, you know, at the Athletic, they're like, can you, can you give like a little opinion? Uh, can you write this stuff? And I said uh, to my wife, excuse me, I'm at the winter meetings. <laughs> <laughs> and then I turned over to my phone and like, you know, opined on the phone and came back and she's like, are you, you're done? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know it's only like, you know, 400 characters. Like I'm good. Uh, but there was that moment where I was like. This is very different. Yeah. (laughs) I'm watching a stupid ass knives reality show where they're judging the cutting quality of the sitar. 
Um, and, <laughs> and I like don't care about any of it. I, I the next thing I said to my wife was like, "How weird would it be uh, if I got into being a knife person?" And I was downstairs and was like, "Hey, babe, watch me cut this rug in one cut with my homemade sitar." <laughs> Um, anyway, that there, this week I've had some moments where I'm like, oh God, the winter means is just like a thing I go to, um, on a similar moment, the, the Arizona fall league got canceled every, every fall I go to Arizona and I see a bunch of people, we talk about fantasy baseball and we go see the best stars in the game. I saw Bryce Harper and Mike Trout play in the same game. Um, you know, when they were prospects and like, it, it allows yeah. me to also get in front of the prospects and talk to them before they yeah. become big. And so I talk to these like precious little 17 year olds and, and it's more like that minor league Bill Burr moment where like you come up across the top, there's nobody there. There's some scouts, mm-hmm. you see Keith Law, you say hi, you know, you see, you see all the, you see Eric Longenhagen, and you say hi, like you kind of you know half the people there and then you go see these amazing prospects um and uh you're right behind home plate because there's nobody else there so like that that was a moment um but i think my the 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 time that i felt it the most was the first time uh i i i came in on a zoom Mm. um and uh, we're on Zoom. It's okay. We're doing our best. I've had my friends. We had our Zooms. We tried. Uh, but just... Well, you and I have mostly communicated over the internet, though. We've done that. Yeah, it's okay. But uh, there was something about talking to a player where I, I have to raise my hand virtually and, like somebody else like i have to wait for like uh, like i have to wait for all the five people because they all have seniority they're all you know they're all the local beat writers i have to right. give them they have to go first andrew bagley has to go first ask Pavlik, so you know like these guys have to go first i mean they they deserve it i'm not trying to get in front of them which means that i get like the last question or the second to last question and I try to get a question out there and I, and I try not to do that thing where I word the question for an hour where I'm like, um, so anyway, I've noticed that, you know, with the curveball, but also with the slider, you're doing this thing. And then the change, but, but, but I just really wanted to ask you about the fastball, you know what I mean? Like yeah. try not to like overwhelm with 8 million things, but I got to fit a lot into this one question. So I'm really going to get one question and maybe one follow up, and just even watching Someone like Charlie Morton, who I've had like great interviews with, like look at me and like almost through the Zoom, I can see him being like, I'm going to do my best, dude. But like, if you were here, we would spend 25 minutes on this. Mm -hmm. And I know that I don't have that. And so I'm going to try and condense this down for you, you know. So I think my first Zoom with a player that I have a good relationship with, like I don't know if it was Matt Olson or Marcus Semyon or Brandon Crawford, somebody early on, I just remember just, I don't even remember the player. I just remember being like, God, can I just, oh, can I just talk to you? Yeah. <laughs> They're doing comedy on Zoom, man, and I'll tell you, it's got it the doesn't same. Work. It has the same sex with three condoms on feeling. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is that, like, you know, I say about it with, like, hanging out with someone. 
if you're hanging out with someone and you're you're usually hanging out with like two or three people and then like if if you stop talking then maybe someone else starts talking and i can mm-hmm. and it, it's like a natural transition i don't have to like switch screens you know and then maybe some people can over, talk over each other and maybe me and you can kind of separate out a conversation and they can have a conversation True. and then maybe some chick slips on some water and falls down and then we all see that and laugh at it and then that reminds someone of a story. None of that happens on Zoom. I mean, we're all just like mm-hmm. staring at this little box, like trying to, you know, hope that we get enough juice out of this little box to to yeah. to, to, to make it to tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, Zoom really does feel like those like um, those seasonal affective disorder lights. <laughs> <laughs> but for a, just enough give me just enough interaction <laughs> and like the, of course they have rate my room and like you know memes of like cats and backgrounds or kids coming out of uh, doors or whatever of course they do because we're staring at this little box being like you know oh maybe something will come out of that trash can behind casey i'm yeah. waiting i'm waiting <laughs> i know i have been jealous of your zoom <laughs> i actually was thinking about this the other day i was like i was like the next house we buy I, I've been looking at like real estate a little bit, and I'm like, "Well, paint a room ooh, blue. That room, that room would be a good Zoom background." <laughs> you need to have like a Jack in the Box back there that, like, 30 minutes into a Zoom, just like pops out. <laughs> I'm terrified of whatever's in that trash can is gonna do it. <laughs> All right, I think I'm gonna end it there and not take up any more of your time. But this was very fun. Edit out uh, all the parts where I was offensive. <laughs> I'm actually going to put them all on repeat. A couple <laughs> I'm going to make a loop machine out of you being offensive. But, uh, I'll uh, be yeah. like, if none of you guys have been to the winter meetings with me, this is what it's like. <laughs> oh, dude, that's the shit. By the way, like I, I'm going to leave this part off the podcast, but uh-huh. it's like it's like if if these people knew when I didn't want to say this on the podcast, but when Donald Trump said the grab him by the pussy thing, and they were like, "That's so horrible," and he's like, "It's just locker room talk," and then I had a friend who was like, I've been in a lot of locker rooms and it's there's no talk like that in a locker room. And I'm like, dude, I've heard you say worse in a park. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? like, like, I mean, yes, he's a fucking horrible pervert and a racist and all of the things. But that's a bar. You are type. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I've said worse in a, in, you know, in a car than he said on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, I hope you enjoyed Enosaurus. Enosaurus, Enosaurus. I did not listen to the podcast before recording this intro, so I hope you enjoyed all of the things we talked about. I know I know we got into it about uh, Louis C.K. a little bit, so I really hope you enjoyed it, uh, and I hope you consume Eno's work. I know that The Athletic is running a bunch of promotions. Uh, I have, I'm a subscriber. Um, they do a lot of great work. Eno specifically is one of the best baseball writers in the country. So uh, I hope that you go and consume Eno's work. Now let's talk about, uh, let's talk about sports. I want to keep it brief because if I remember right, this is a long, uh, a long episode and I don't want really, I'm sick of talking about politics. Uh, I'm disgusted by both sides of the duopoly. And so, we may, may like maybe one side more than the other, but who gives a shit? Like they're so, but they're both such self-interested corporate-owned garbage. 
I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. And nobody's coming to this podcast for that. So, um, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, the presumptive uh, first and second quarterbacks picked in the NFL, faced off in the first round of the college football playoff. Uh, I remember seeing. I've been, you know, pretty out of the loop on sports this year, just because they got so delayed, and then college football, especially, is like, uh. Clemson was 10 and 1 and Ohio State was 6 and 0 like the the college football as we know it is just is just a mess. The team that I care about, the Washington Huskies, didn't even seek a bowl appearance. It was a year where they were coming off of losing their starting quarterback, uh have a new head coach. You know, it's just a it's just a it's not a great year for college uh for college football. But we've all known about Trevor Lawrence. We've all known that Trevor Lawrence is considered the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. Um, And not that Andrew Luck was the best quarterback, but Andrew Luck was the prototype. He's 6'4", athletic, extremely intelligent, um, good enough physical tools, good enough arm, arm talent. And Trevor Lawrence is probably like a tick above physically and he's won a national championship he's got a lot of things going for him but I remember early in the year I saw a highlight of Justin Fields which is never a fair depiction of a quarterback's talent first off just so you know when you watch a game on a tv screen on a broadcast you are getting a keyhole view of the play so these these assholes that you know that think they know everything about play calling and talk all this shit on a Sunday or Saturday, they don't know anything. They 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 know most of these people know absolutely nothing. And I'm not one to say that I am like an I'm a I'm a quarterback evaluator, okay? I think there's been I've had a I have a decent track record of picking guys like the one that I have is Kirk Cousins. When the, I've said this on this podcast, when the Seahawks drafted Russell Wilson, I was fucking irate because Kirk Cousins was still on the board. And I thought Kirk Cousins was going to be an NFL starter. And I was right. Um, there's probably, there's, I'm sure there's been guys that I've missed on. Uh, but I saw Justin Fields earlier in the year and was like, God damn, this guy is like, he has an impressive arm. He's got to be like a first round pick. And then I looked it up, and on most of the boards, he's like the second quarterback off the board. I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I know that Trevor Lawrence is the guy in most people's minds. But then, on whatever day that was, I have yet to regain my grasp of what day of the week it is, what day of the month it is. But Justin Fields dominated Clemson, dominated Ohio State. And I understand that the, it's there's an unfair thing about when two quarterbacks go against each other where their, their play doesn't really have any impact on the other person, right? Like you see two boxers go against each other and both those guys play, both those guys are on offense and defense. In basketball, you play both sides of the ball. So you're only like what what do they say you're only as good as the the best position you can defend or something like that. 
Um, and there's been a history in basketball of these like great scorers that just play absolutely no defense. I remember the Sonics had this dude named Flip Murray, Ronald Murray, who was, he played basketball or he played defense like the same way that, uh, they, they used to, when I, I used to referee soccer, I refereed basketball, umpired baseball and refereed soccer. Those were like the first jobs I had. Sometimes I think about how much I like, I've been, I'm 34 years old. I started refereeing when I was like 13 or 14. I started working full time like a week after my 18th birthday and I've never not had a full time job since then. Plus comedy. I had a sports blog. I have had podcasts galore, failed podcasts galore. I've managed to fit most of an associate's degree in. I've managed to learn, you know, some, some like, you know, I've learned SQL, which is a, uh, like whatever it is, a scripting software, uh, scripting language. I've built websites and stuff like that. Sometimes I think about it and I'm like, I should be a lot more successful than my, <laughs> my efforts have yielded. Uh, when you're high effort, low talent, I guess you just end up somewhere in the middle. Um, how the fuck did I get there? Uh, Justin Fields, boy, this is, this is bad. This is bad podcasting. Oh, whatever day it was. I think that's where I'm at. I think, I, I don't know. I don't know. Justin Fields absolutely dominated, uh, Clemson. Uh, of course. Justin Fields got to play against Clemson's defense. He didn't have to play against Ohio State's defense. I don't know enough about this year's football to know which of those defenses, uh, defense, the which of those defenses has a better reputation. But it has to make you think that if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars sitting at number one, and especially with this rumor floating around that they're considering bringing Urban Meyer in to be the coach. And Urban Meyer has his Ohio State ties. You have to wonder if Justin Fields is actually the right choice. That dude looked great. Trevor Lawrence looked scared. I I think one thing I'll say is uh, Trevor Lawrence comes from a program that's already produced Deshaun Watson. So I guess you're you're somewhat comfortable that a quarterback's come out of there. Have there been any Ohio State quarterbacks recently? I, I don't like oh Dwayne Haskins. The recently uh released by the Washington football team Dwayne Haskins is from Ohio State. So you just don't know. Who who was I talking to a couple of weeks ago where I said it's it's really hard to know in the moment, if you're on the right side of history. And I feel that's, there were a lot of people, a lot of people who thought that Ryan Leaf was a better prospect than Peyton Manning. That the Colts were stupid for drafting Ryan Leaf over Peyton Manning. And uh, obviously they look like assholes now. Okay, I think that'll be it. Um I hope you enjoyed Enosaris. He's he's a great dude, very funny guy. 
Um, follow me on Instagram across all social media at the Casey McLean. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'm trying to put some more stuff up there. Uh, the more people that subscribe, this is the thing. All I care about, the only thing that is like, that is fueling the beast right now in any way is interaction. Please, <laughs> please, I'm begging you, subscribe, comment, follow me, talk shit, troll me. I don't care. I just need to talk to someone who's not my daughter. Who's not a, who's not a, uh, what is she? She's almost 17 months, 17 months old. Please do it. Okay. Uh, as I mean, as always go, please be a patron of this podcast. There's a bunch of extra full length interviews. I also released the Gabriel Rutledge episode one full length interview video on my YouTube channel. So check that out. Subscribe. Um, thank you for listening. And I will talk to you next week.